0: Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And before I started recording with this guy, He pops on the recording and I hear, you know, I hear Pharrell Williams. And he turns up the intensity level to about 35. And, but again, if you see him on social media, if you follow him on LinkedIn or on Twitter or any of his platforms, you know that Larry Long Jr. is a man of great passion and purpose and intensity And I am so honored to have this rock star of a man on the Intentional Encourager podcast with us today, Larry Long Jr. How are you doing, Larry?
1: What is going on, Brian?
0: I am happy. It's an honor and a privilege. He's got the gold to... microphone. If you're watching on YouTube, he's got the gold microphone, like he's on American Idol. Man, it's it's great. I love. Don't, it. don't
1: get me singing. I'll, I'll have some people crying if I start singing, but I can certainly talk into the mic. <laughs> well,
0: yeah. Well, those of you listening, Larry may take us to church today. It, it may be it may be that kind of day. So, it, but that there's nothing wrong with that. Larry, I want to get your perspective. Let's start here this morning. I want to get your perspective. You and I were chatting last week as we record this. A lot of people have had different perspectives around the pandemic situation that we have had going on. I know here in West Virginia and area, you know well, I, I we have had a far different experience than where you are now in the Carolinas. And so you know take me through the last year and what, what what has been the greatest lesson that you've learned from the last year of of working from home doing different things um what what's that, take me through what 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 you have come through the last year
1: yeah so brian there, there, there's no there's no way i can say the pandemic has been good the loss of life has been terrible yeah. but there's no way i can say that this time hasn't been a blessing because it has And it's all about perspective. I mean, I I have a colleague who said, hey, in every situation, look for the good, the great, and the wonderful. And I mean, there's been a ton of good, a ton of great, a ton of wonderful amongst all this loss, amongst all this chaos and turbulence. I mean, in my life, at first I, I hated to say it, but I'm proud to say. 2020 was my best year ever. It was one of my best years ever. Yeah. And the the connections, the people that I connected with, the people that I met from around the globe, the impact that I was able to have, the work that I was able to do in my life, in my family's life, the growth that we've had. I've got two kids, an 11 year old and a seven year old. Uh, I think you asked the greatest lesson. There's been so many lessons for me to narrow it down to one would be doing a disservice, but I would say prioritization, the things that mean the most. When, when, when we were shuttered in and in and, and my family, we're about to get our second uh, vaccine, but we've still been shuttered in. We've learned and not learned, just reinforced that family first, faith first, family. Those are the things that are important. Everything else. Yeah, I mean, we can do without it. Like, those are nice-to-haves, but they're not must-haves. The family, you got to have that. The connection, the time, the good quality time. So, this has been, when you talk about relationships, that's really been kind of the key theme over the last 14 months for me has been relationships, strengthening, uh, making sure that those good relationships, uh, you continue to work on them. And some relationships have had to go by the wayside. It, yeah. it's, it's a part of life.
0: Yeah. And, and I'll tell you this, Larry, I love what you said there. We, we have had, we have in the last 14 months or so we have had to define what good relationships look like in bad relationships. And I'll say this, I'm a huge sports fan there there and and i had to kind of figure out what sports that 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 i i wanted to continue to to consume like like i used to be a and i still am i'm a big time reds fan but man i don't consume reds baseball like i did before the pandemic you know um i don't consume nba basketball like i did i found other things when when sports shut down for a couple of months, I think people found other avenues for that time. Now, put me in front of a TV and a football game's on. I'm in pro college. I mean, and, and I found myself watching, you know, I know some of the colleges, you know, some of the the uh, HCBU colleges down south have, have have played spring ball. Um, I've watched a little bit of Jackson State because I'm a I'm a Deion Sanders fan. I, I like I like primetime. Um, uh, well, he and my boy, Randy Moss, who went to Marshall university, go her ran the two fastest times at Florida state. So, you know, when you got Dion and, Ra- and, and Larry, I was thinking about that, let's pivot here for just a second. I know you're a, you're a sports guy like I am. I was thinking yesterday, athletes today are bigger, faster, and stronger. We know that you and I have been watching sports a long time, but how is it? that Deion Sanders played at Florida State. He was he was in the 1989, 32 years ago, NFL draft. Yep. Randy Moss was in the 1998 NFL draft, 23 years ago. They still had the two fastest times in the history of Florida State football. And Moss was there between Notre Dame and Marshall. He was there for a time at Florida State. The two fastest times are, are almost 30 years old. At that school, sub sub four. I mean, Dion ran like a, a sub four three, and so did Moss. When you look at generational athletes, yeah. what do those two guys have that today's
1: athletes don't? Well, I mean, those are two rarities. I mean, those, those guys—I wouldn't even call them guys. I mean, super. Well, yeah, and, yeah. That's why, that. they call I mean, the, that's why they call
0: Moss the. That's why they called Moss the freak. <laughs>
1: I mean, my father, fi- I grew up at the track. My father ran track at University of Maryland. My sister ran track. I was the black sheep of the family literally and figuratively. <laughs> I played baseball at Maryland Go Terps. They said, baseball. I said, Yeah, you run after you hit the ball. They said, All right, we'll let it slide, little Larry. I said, Thankfully, but you look at Bob Beeman and the long jump record, the world record that Bob Beeman had for a number of years. I mean, for, for for 20 plus, 30 plus years before that. Was broken. It's just one of those when you get uh, just a phenomenal athlete, they do phenomenal things that I will ne- I'll, I'll never say never, but essentially it's just the true testament to the type of athlete that they are, putting up those kind of times and having that kind of athleticism and speed. Yeah. It's amazing. So
0: you're the perfect guy to ask this. I want to go here for just a minute. I was watching something last night. One of my, my all-time favorite players, and he played for my Reds for, for a time, is Ken Griffey Jr. Ooh, okay. I remember where I was at. Yeah, like, just like that. If you're watching on YouTube, Larry is mimicking the junior swing. I remember where I was at listening to the radio when the Reds announced the trade, when the news broke that, that they were getting junior from the Seattle Mariners in 2000, February of 2000. What is – you played – at that time, Maryland was in the ACC. Now they're in the Big Ten. Yeah. ACC – the ACC is known for great college baseball. Florida State, we mentioned a minute ago, and Deion Sanders played baseball at Florida State as well too. Florida State had multiple national championships under Mike Martin. North Carolina had a successful baseball program, still has a successful baseball program for a number of years. The, the talent, Virginia, great baseball program at Virginia. What is the degree of separation from the guys you played with and against in the ACC to the guys that play professional baseball and even go on to make it to the major leagues?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh it's both physical and mental. I mean, I played against J.D. Drew. He dropped five home runs. I remember
0: three- J.D. Drew, yeah. Oh, he
1: was a beast. Five home runs in three games. He had two on Friday two on Saturday, one on Sunday for good measure. And he hit the ball so far, it disappeared like a golf ball. I've never seen remember? Yeah, do
0: you remember when – so J.D. Drew got drafted by the – I believe he got drafted by the Philadelphia Phillies, if I remember right. He did. And J.D. Drew was one of the first guys, Larry, that that said, no, I'm not going to go play there. (laughs) J.D. Drew and, and Scott Boris was his agent back then. They controlled, they were doing something a little bit differently. They controlled where he was going to go. And I think he ultimately ended up going to the St. Louis Cardinals and signing there. And then he played for several more teams. Yep. But man, that dude, he literally said, I'm taking control of my future. I'm not going to sign. I think he let himself, I, I think the way I remember it, and correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. his junior year, he gets drafted by the Phillies. And he goes, I'm not signing with the Phillies. I don't want to play in Philadelphia. And I think he let the next draft – I think he let himself go to the next draft, which was taking a bit of a risk. And then the Cardinals draft him. He signs with the Cardinals. Had a great big league career. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he, t- he took a circuitous route. He might have played independent league ball as That's a holdout. Right. That's and right. And pretty much forced their hand that said, hey, I'm not going to sign with you. Either you deal with me or I'll just play independent ball until you no longer own my rights. And uh, that was definitely a power move by a power player. He was one of the most phenomenal baseball players I've ever witnessed live. And just a phenomenal guy as well. That was my freshman year. That was spring of 1997. Seven against Florida State and J.D. Drew. They put on a show. Ooh.
0: What did you learn? And, and there, there are correlations between athletics and what we're dealing with now. Yeah. What was one thing you took from your athletic career that you apply even to this day on a day-to-day basis?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be mental toughness. In the game of baseball, if you're not mentally tough, you're not going to survive because you're gonna strike out, you're gonna have bad outings as a pitcher, you're going to experience failure, you're gonna experience heartbreak and heartache, that's life, that's this four letter word we call life. If you're not able to go from at bat to at bat, experience to experience, and be able to keep that happy medium, because when things are going great and I've had some hitting streets, whoa, you better better stay on your grind, keep that happy medium. When things are going bad, and I've had some slumps. Oh, you better find a slump buster. Yeah. You better keep that happy medium. You better keep your mindset. And that's why it's so important, the relationships to have family, friends, supporters, coaches, teammates that are there to help you, that are there to support you, but also hold you accountable and say, hey, Larry, let's pick it up. I mean, I'll give you a quick story. I started off my baseball career, one for my first 24 It doesn't take a math major to figure out that's uh, well below the Mendoza line. That'll get you playing. Hey, Larry, what position did you play? Left out? Coach, can I get (laughs) in? You left out. And Uh I need you to go to the end of the bench because whatever you have, it might be contagious. And I can't have the rest of our hitters having whatever you have. But I had a conversation with my father. And uh, he asked me how I was feeling. I said, I'm feeling terrible, Dad. I don't belong in Division One. I. I don't belong in the ACC. At the time, we were in the Atlantic Coast Conference. And he hopped through that phone and he said, boy, you can't have my name with a stank attitude like that. You better get back on the tee. And most importantly, you better get your mind right. Or it's like the Henry Ford quote. Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. And at that moment, I didn't think that I could. We were coming back from UNC Greensboro. Well, then the Tar Heels came to town, and I was hitting off the tee. I got in. I got a a blue pit right over the first baseman's head. Next time I got a hard line drive hit. This was on Friday. I started Saturday, went three for four, started Sunday, went two for four. That was all she wrote. I batted 289 my freshman season, batted 319 in, in conference in the ACC. I was bat number nine, seeing a steady diet of fastballs. And I I can hit a fastball. Anything with a wrinkle, I'm in trouble. Come on now, help me. Yeah. But essentially, I had a great freshman career. Four-year starter, team captain, just great experience.
0: Well, and again, it's just that way in life and sales. And you and I have been in sales a long time. It just takes one good thing happening. You were just talking about it. You started one for 24. And, and, And you get a bloop single over the first baseman's head. You make contact. Sometimes even making contact. Well, yeah, but but sometimes even making contact is a hard thing. And a lot of times, Larry, I'll say this again, going back to being a Reds fan. I've heard the last week or so, man, we got to get a Eugenio Suarez going. That's the Reds all-star shortstop. He's hit 50 home runs in a season. It's only going to take him one or two at bats to square something up. And, and and that's all she wrote. It'll it'll be back on track. Just as it takes one at bat to get you off track. You can have one bad at bat, and then you can have a one for 24 slide like like that. I mean, you, you were probably hitting the ball great in inter-squad scrimmages, probably hitting the ball great in the cage, hitting the ball great. Like, man, everything's good. My timing's down. Everything's good. You get in a game, and it's like, okay, I got overmatched on that fastball. I got to be a little bit quicker next time. Next at bat, like, oh, man. Man, that dude, that dude threw three by me. Like, I never saw it. And it, that, it's that way in life, you know, where, where you have those momentum swings and things like that. Besides the mental toughness, I'm going to ask you this, and then we'll take a break. What's the one thing that you learned from playing baseball that that you will never forget besides the mental toughness because again that's a life skill but there's got to be another life skill that you learn from playing baseball at the collegiate level that you go I'll never forget
1: this as long as I live what was that the combination of relationships and experiences I'll never forget the relationships even when we don't keep in touch when we get together it's like we haven't lost time. One of my teammates just got married, Frank the Tank. Frank Beloy, congrats to you, Frank. It's one of those things that you just will never, ever forget. And the experiences. I mean, you talk about Florida State, our experiences, uh, down there in Tallahassee. <laughs> we had some adventures. And, and let's keep it real. We had some misadventures well, as well. Elon College, all I remember is the train tracks. And I remember we were running across the train tracks. I don't know why. I, I forget <laughs> why, but there is a reason. We got some stories.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I I bet you do have. We don't have. We we would have to do a ten part mini series with Larry Long Jr. But man, the energy, the the passion, the purpose that this man brings is palpable, and and you can feel it as you listen to it. When we come back. We're gonna shift gears, and we're gonna we're gonna speak to the business people we're going to encourage some business people we're going to talk about the things that Larry's doing right now that that is helping folks encouraging folks and and just walking with them through the path talking to Larry Long Jr this morning on the intentional encourager podcast back in just a moment <laughs> Hey everybody brian sexton here i want to tell you about our sponsor seo national seo stands for search engine optimization now what's that you might say well search engine optimization helps you show up higher on search engines After opening SEO National 14 years ago, let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Larry, I want to transition to what you're doing as far as coaching and helping people. When you stopped playing college baseball, did you know, and and, and what kind of pro prospects did you have? Were you looking at, at continuing your career in professional baseball, or did you know when your time at Maryland was done that it was done?
1: No, I thought I was going to get picked up. I was sitting by my phone when the June draft came around. And I'd been talking to some scouts and talk is cheap because my phone didn't ring. And uh, I guess you could say I had the crying Michael Jordan meme face. I said, oh, Lord, (laughs) help me. So I hit the road. I said, shoot, this isn't the end of Larry long jr. As a baseball player, I hit the road, went to some tryout camps. And once again, I got the same message. Thank you for coming out. God bless you. And good night. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you. That's right. So at some point after that summer, I said, Hey, I got to go to the real world. So I had a job offer with Accenture doing it consulting. That's where I went. And I was actually in Morgantown, West Virginia on my first project, uh, God and help I you. Still, I, I mean, was still, I was still yeah. working out. Started in September, and I got that itch. In February, I said, oh, I'm going to give it another run. Talked to my agent. He got me into a couple minor league spring training camps. The Dodgers, the Red Sox went down there, gave it one last shot, and they told me to hit the road, Jack. So I went back to work. They said, wow, you're back so soon. We thought we'd see you on TV. I said, well, you see what happened was that chapter of my career, that chapter of my life has been closed. Let's go ahead and get back to work.
0: (laughs) Well, and and again, for some people, it's hard to let go of the dream. I don't care what it is that you're doing. You could could be in a sales career that you go, man, I don't want to leave this company, but the company is starting to leave you. Or maybe you thought sales was what you wanted to do and it's not working out that well things like that. I've known guys that said, Oh, I'm going to go into sales. I'm going to do this and do that. I'm like, you better know what you're getting into. You better be eyes wide open. You better know what you're getting into. And, And before too long, they realized it wasn't for them. You, you decide you go to a couple more minor league camps and you decide that it's, that it's over. And, and, and now take me through the thought process of how you geared your mind. Now, to make that transition because the competitiveness never leaves you. In fact, as a salesperson, you're probably as competitive as of a salesperson as you were when you were actually competing, yeah. Yeah. you know, cause I, I felt that way. I, I only played high school baseball, but there's still the competitiveness inside of you that goes, I, I am going to be better than my competition today. How did you harness your competitive Nature, you can, because you play college baseball at a high, high level. Your degree of competitiveness is, is, is 10 or, or 15 times normal competitive people. How did you harness that competitiveness into the sales world?
1: Yeah, it's just the landscape and the field changed. Instead of being in between the lines of the ball field, it's now taking it to the boardroom. And at Accenture, ooh, you talk about competitiveness. I work with some bright people, and I work with some confident people, some Ivy Leaguers. I say, I'm not an Ivy Leaguer, but I can can hang with the best of them. Come on now. I'm five foot nothing. I'm five foot nine and three quarters. That's probably rounding up. Russell Wilson style, I round up to six foot, but I'm a little guy but I've got a big heart and that's whether I'm on the ball field or whether I'm on a sales floor in whatever I do. And that's, I had to, I had to outwork everybody because I wasn't, God blessed me with speed. And he, he blessed me with smarts. My my wife would say, don't go telling those nice people that you got smarts. I tell people I got gray. I'm getting older and wiser. She said, you're getting older. You ain't getting any <laughs> wiser. Buddy.
0: My that wife, is- hey, if, if your wife and my wife have been talking, man, because I, I feel
1: like they've been eavesdropping on our house a little bit. <laughs> but I've had to learn how to use all of my talents to the best of my ability. and I had to maximize everything. And and I got that from my dad. My dad, his nickname was Shorty Long. He was shorter than me. And he was a long jumper, triple jumper at University of Maryland coming out of the projects of Baltimore City. So just seeing that grit, that inner determination. And I think you asked, what was the process of transitioning? It, it, It really, it was tough, but it wasn't that tough because I had been prepared for that My whole life, my parents always stressed, you take care of school first, your education first, and then sports. Sports don't define you, it's a part of you. But it wasn't, I wasn't Larry Long Jr., the baseball player, and only the baseball player. I was part of student government. I was part of the honors program. I was part of the Black Student Union. I was involved on campus, so I had an identity outside of sports. Sports was just a part of who I was. Community service, come on now. We're trying to do some things because I knew that it wasn't forever. I I knew that. Now, I thought I would get an opportunity to play pro ball, but hey, I'm a big believer that God's got a plan for us all, and pro baseball wasn't in my plan. But the learnings, the lessons that I learned Learn the experiences were all geared to help me with what I'm doing now and what I'll be doing in the future, which no one knows. That's right. And essentially, I take it as a learning lesson. You either win or you learn or you win and you learn as you go along this path that we call, call life. And uh, yeah, just give me the light. I got to turn some light on in here. Got to make it bright.
0: Well, no, I, I'm sitting here jotting notes down because again, I, I, I'm, I'm taking this in Folks, when 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 I do these podcasts, you you not only facilitate the conversation, but you take in what your guest is saying. And I love what you just said there, Larry. You either win or you learn, or you win as you learn. I wanna, I wanna run this by you. You you got a lot of experience in sales. I've got a lot of experience in sales. What's the one thing? that you find when you're talking to you, to new salespeople or young salespeople, what's the one thing that you find that they typically don't know about sales? I know what it is for me, but I want to, I want to know what, what, what it is either sales or business, because we have business people that listen to this, you know, they, they think to themselves, man, I've got a great idea. I'm going to open a business. What's the one thing that being around people, as long as you've been and coaching people, like you've coached them. What's the one thing that most people that go into a new venture don't know about that venture? The one
1: thing. I only get one, Alex. <laughs>
0: no, mean, man. Really- hey, listen, I'm just going to sit back and let you go, man. I mean, it's just just go with it.
1: Well, what I found, and this isn't everyone, I hate to generalize, but a lot of folks don't understand how hard it is. It's tough. I mean, my my keynote is sales is not a four-letter word. It might make you say some four-letter words, but sales is tough. Life is tough. Business is tough. And and essentially, folks don't realize that they've got it inside of them. When they hit those barriers, a lot of folks just don't understand what digging deep is. I mean, I know what digging deep is. It's this bottom of the ninth. You're in front of Florida State's hostile fans, and the game's on the line. You better dig deep, and that, that's the time when it's just you and the pitcher to figure out what am I really made of? What am I all about? Have I prepared myself? And I don't know if Allen Iverson is listening, but we're talking about practice.
0: When well, you practice- Larry, I got to jump in here. There, those moments like that are moments, and we say it this way, a guy's shorts get tight. <laughs> and you can see it. And I've told my son, I'm watching games. I'm like, his shorts are getting tight. That's right. And 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 it's those moments where it, you you're exactly right. It's you in the pitcher, and it's and it's a moment you've been in 20,000 times, yep. where it's you in the pitcher, and it and and it and and I think what happens to people is they forget. That it's them and the customer. It's them in that moment that they're dealing with. It's them, it's that situation of that customer is coming to you and going, Hey, Larry, man, it, then your biggest customer. And they're going, man, we're thinking about making a change or we're gonna, we're gonna do something different. And it's that moment where your shorts can either get tight. And you can go, please don't leave me, please don't leave me. Come on, please don't leave me. Please. Or you can go, listen, take me through the challenge. That's right. Where, where, where's your mind at right now? Because you don't know what that pitcher's thinking. That's right. That pitcher may be more scared of you than you are of them. They may go, they, they may go, oh man, I'm facing an all-conference guy in Larry Long, and and they got a runner on second, the the tying runs on second. And I know this guy can take me out of the ballpark, and and this this can be a whole different game. You don't know what the pitcher's thinking, but I love what you said there about being in that moment and digging deep. And and it, it's a four letter word. And 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 all you're trying to do in that moment is I'm just gonna make contact. I'm just gonna make contact. If I can put the ball in play, it, man, I got to share this real quick. I don't mean to, to hijack this. I was following the Reds game on Twitter the other night, and they were talking about the Reds having a a game situation where they had runners on second and third, and somebody said, just swing the bat. And I remember the Reds had an old broadcaster named Joe Nuxall. He was the youngest guy to ever play Major League Baseball. And Nuxall used to always talk about pitchers hitting in the National League, pitchers hitting. And when a pitcher would get a base hit, Nuxall would say, if you swing the bat, you're dangerous. And and I thought, man, just go up there and swing the bat. What do you have to lose? Even if you hit a dribbler down the third base line, you got a chance to beat it out. <laughs> that's or a great me, theme
1: for life, right there. Yeah, or just me swing the bat,
0: or me as a, a terrible hitting pitcher in high school, I would just try to lay one down and see if I could beat it out. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I take the National League approach. Pitchers always bunt. <laughs> That's the way I saw the game growing up, man. But leave before we go to a break. Leave, 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 folks out there. I'm sure there are business people listening, salespeople listening. I want you to, and, and I'll save this. I'll ask you this similar type question toward the end. What's your biggest piece of intentional encouragement for business people right now?
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's a combination. You got to be flexible. You got to put your thinking cap on and be creative. And you've got to be grounded in the foundation, the, the foundation of your why. And, and hopefully your why is to serve others. If you keep others at the forefront, I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. has a quote that I love. I, I ask myself this question every morning. And what he says is life's most persistent and urgent question is What are you doing? And I emphasize doing, what are you doing to help others? And if you ask yourself that in the morning, hey, Brian, What are you doing to help others today? Woo, in the words of J.J. Walker, dynamite. I mean, life is so good when you do things to help other people. When you put others first, oh, my goodness. There's very, very rarely am I at a loss for words. But to describe just the feeling and the fulfillment you give, that you get when you give, oh, my goodness. Come on now.
0: I'm old enough to remember when Good Times was on the air. I am old enough to remember watching Good Times when I was a kid. So I'm glad you dropped that J.J. Walker reference, man. That was so good. Let's step aside, take a break. When we come back, I want to tell Larry's story. He's alluded to some of it, playing college baseball and his dad coming out of the projects of Baltimore City. But I really want to get some more deep dive into his story. Back with more on the Intentional Encourager podcast with the incomparable Larry Long Jr. Back in a moment. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew. And he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger Deeper and more powerful connector. You've got to pick up a copy of People Buy from People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up, Kindle, if you're an e reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People back from People. You can get one from me and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email. And I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of people buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Larry, I want to get into your story this morning. Um, because again, as you know, the Intentional Encourager podcast, I want to tell people's stories. And so take me back as far as you want to take me. Um, tell me more about your dad. I want to hear more about your dad, because my dad was a special guy in my life before he passed away. And I want to hear more about Larry Long Sr. But But take me as far back as you want to take me in your story.
1: Yeah, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version because it's a bit—it's been an adventure, somewhat of a misadventure. Born in Baltimore, uh, my parents—they—they weren't—they didn't have a ton of money. My dad grew up in the projects, graduated from Maryland, but we moved around a lot. He worked for the Department of Veterans Affairs, serving those veterans that served us so that we could be free. So we lived in Grand Island, Nebraska, Danville, Illinois, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Coatesville, PA. Went to elementary school with Rip Hamilton, basketballer. You yeah. Detroit Pistons. Funny story. When I moved from Alabama to Pennsylvania, they said, Little Larry, how old are you? I said, I'm faux. They said, faux what? I said, I'm four years old. They said, uh-uh, you can't talk like that. I remember having to go down in the dungeon and had to enunciate my words. Cat. Dog. That'll scar me for life, but I speak so well. <laughs> you my,
0: know my, my, what? <laughs> that reminds me, man. I got to tell you I got, it, it, that you just triggered a story. I was in the eighth grade. And we were, we had a scrimmage. We we're real close to Marshall university. And, and the school that I grew up in was about, uh, we were across the river from, from Huntington. We were about 20 minutes from Marshall. It was back in the eighties. And we had a guy named Skip Henderson, who was, who ended up being Marshall's all time leading scorer. And I was a huge Skip Henderson fan, man. The guy could shoot it. He could light it up. And this was before the three point line. This was a year before the three point line came into play. And, uh, I said, I'm just a kid. I was seventh, eighth grade. I said, Skip, how many go score tonight? He said, I'll buy 40. I said, that's the way he said it. And so when you were talking like that, and and he ended up with 46 that night in that scrimmage, in that inter squad scrimmage. But but I said, you know, he's shooting around. I said, Skip, how many go get? It? He said, 40. I was like, man, you know, okay. So we were coming to into the speech class with me. I know it, right? I know it. That's that's what I'm talking about. Well, his brother ended up playing in the NFL. He ended up playing for the 49ers, got him Keith Henderson. Wow. Yeah. So, but the skip never made it that far. He uh, ended up going to prison. A, a real, real tragic story. But, um, but anyway, man, when you said, when you said, how old are you? And then, I'm faux.
1: I was like, well, <laughs> that reminded me of Skip. <laughs> So went to Coatesville, Pennsylvania. Moved back to Maryland, and along the journey, I really learned. uh, My favorite song, my theme song, that my mom sang to me: "Make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver." while the other's gold. So I think that that really contributed to me. I've never met a stranger. I'm able to adapt to most environments, both here domestically as well as internationally. My wife's from Argentina. I've traveled to Ireland. I've traveled traveled to England. Uh, I've been to Spain. I can adapt. People are people. And that's one thing that I learned. But once again, back to Maryland, middle school, high school, Baseball at Maryland, which meant so much to be a legacy because my father was a proud Terrapin and uh, his journey from Baltimore City and using track as his ticket out. He's the only one from his family to graduate high school. And he always stressed that, hey, the importance of education, they can never take that away. And he also stressed the importance of hard work. I remember him going out and shoveling snow in Maryland to get to the office. My mom was like, no, it's a snow day. And my dad's like, nope, I'm going in the office. Uh, it's one of those things that when, that when you grow up not having much, what you do have is so much more meaningful. Were
0: you always locked into going to the University of Maryland? Did you get recruited by other schools to go there? Or was it your pop saying, hey, uh, you're, going to Mar- you're going to college park?
1: no we we were trying to find the best situation my father bright man he said you want to find a place where you have the opportunity to play the opportunity to compete and uh, i was looking I was undersized. I didn't project well because I was I was little. I was good, but I was little. You look at five foot nine, one hundred and seventy five pounds. Speed, yes. But I sent out a videotape and a handwritten letter to every. I think it was every Division One, at least major program. Pepperdine, TCU. I mean, you name it. I sent them letters. I sent them tape, my stats, and uh, crickets, crickets, crickets. I know who you remind me of, man. I just
0: I just figured it out because I'm like, man he looks like somebody familiar. You look like Cliff Floyd. Remember Cliff Floyd played for the Expos (laughs) and the Marlins? You do. You have a resemblance to Cliff Floyd. Cliff Floyd was an outstanding baseball player. Great hitter.
1: (laughs) You do, man. Larry, you look like Cliff Floyd, man. I love it. I love it. But Maryland, they gave me the opportunity to compete, and that's all I wanted. And in fall ball, I crushed it. I was number three on the depth chart. So going into the season, you would think three outfield positions. Number three, I thought that I would be starting. Mm I'm sitting the pond. I'm wondering what in the world. Well, why am I sitting the pond? But it's one of those things. And my dad said, just be ready. When when they call your number, be ready. And like I said, I started off one for twenty four. I I wasn't ready. My mind wasn't right, and uh, I had to get it right. And once I did, that momentum just took off. But uh. Baseball, Maryland, great experience. Just all the experiences of a big university. And then I went into the working world and I've been on an adventure. It's no mystery that I've worked for. I've had 10 different jobs, eight different companies. Being that I moved around so much as a youngster. Yeah, I moved around a lot professionally, which has been a blessing because I've learned at each and every stop. I've learned good lessons and I've learned opportunity area lessons, bad lessons uh, at at some stops, but uh, it's all contributed to who I am
0: now. Let me park here for just a minute. And we're having a different conversation. I love this. Uh, My son, my my 20 year old said this to me the other day. We were talking about jobs. I've I've had a, a numerous amount of jobs in my career. And, and my son said, Why were you always so quick to move positions, move companies, and things like that? And I said, Because I told him, I said, I was always looking for an opportunity to grow myself. Yes. And my career. Yes. It wasn't always about money, it was about the opportunity for growth. And if the money came, great. You know, I remember working with my dad and transitioning. I left a company that I was, very stable in to go to work for a small family company with my dad, Larry, because it was the opportunity to work with my dad. I didn't know that 10 months later, he'd be gone, wow. but it was the opportunity to work with him and do something together. And that's what I told my son. I said, sometimes opportunities come to you that are designed for you to grow. What's been the, the theme that you've pulled out of the different moves that you have made in your career as you've looked back and you said, okay, I've moved in and out of eight different companies and things like that. What's been the overarching thing for you in those moves?
1: It's all about the people. And that's where I'm at right now. You talked about it. I just left a stable job. I was getting a paycheck every two weeks, getting a commission check, pretty healthy commission check every month. That doesn't surprise me about
0: you, man. That does not (laughs) surprise me about you. You are a great connector.
1: But I can tell you it was scary. It's like, Larry, what in the world are you doing? But I've been preparing for this moment, and I know that I'm stepping in to my courage and stepping into my gifting of being able to serve, of being able to help and assist and motivate sales professionals, business professionals, because just like you're, the title of your show, The Intentional Encourager, A lot of folks need that encouragement. I'm writing a book right now to help people find, I say discover, and oftentimes rediscover the inner greatness that we all have. Somewhere along the line, we lose it. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a firefighter. At some point, it's like, oh, I can't do it. Yes, you can. Now, it's not going to be easy. There's folks right now that are listening, that are sitting in a job that they hate. That's a miserable existence right there. And I encourage you to make a change. Now, you're going to have to plan. You're going to have to work hard. But you got to step into your courage to accomplish and get to where you want to get to. And that's where that, so many times my wife, she called me out. She said, hey, Larry, you tell everyone else to, to go after their dreams. But look in the mirror. You're faking the funk. You're, you're, you're not doing it yourself. And I said, you're right. I'm scared. She said, oh, don't be scared, I got you, I got you, boo. So we went to work, we started planning and essentially March the 26th, I had the opportunity to step into my greatness. And I mean, I've been blessed. I talked to a a college, Bethel College in North Newton, Kansas on Sunday sowing into their their student leadership, their orientation leaders, about the power of true connections and relationships. Yesterday, I talked to a multi-billion dollar German company about how to manage change, how to change your mindset, teamwork, it makes the dream work. If uh, what got you here won't get you there, you've got to change up and then you've got to own it. Everyone needs to act like a CEO. And then I asked them, hey, it's the all in, the hashtag all in challenge. Either you're all in or you can't be on my team. So I mean, I'm I'm doing what uh God's plan is, and even though it's scary because right now if I don't if I don't have any engagements, how do I keep the lights on? How do I pay my mortgage? How do That's I right. pay the car note? But I'm confident that I've done the preparation, the planning, and I've given so much that now it's really time for me to give even more and be able to make a living while I do it. I
0: want you to take me real quick through the biggest obstacle that you, that you faced in your life, whether it was playing baseball or, or whatever it was, take me through the biggest obstacle, how you overcame it and the lesson you learned from it.
1: Yeah. Biggest obstacle losing my father five and a half years ago, 2015. Uh, My father, that was my best friend, my biggest cheerleader, um, oh goodness, he meant so much to me. He still does. He, he's still with me, even though he's not here physically. Yeah. Uh, just being able to hmm, go on with my life and carry that baton. He was a track guy, and uh, he passed that baton of just lessons of, of faith, of family, of love, of hard work, uh, just so many lessons of determination, grit. Um goodness competitive fire and that inner desire to be excellent and then just having fun he was the most positive person that i ever met i mean glass half full nope that glass is a hundred percent full and it's your choice to view it that way little larry larry jr come on now he was my biggest encourager so I, i was blessed uh, to have him the, the time that I had him. And I was blessed to, to learn, but that was my biggest challenge. I mean, baseball, yeah, that sucked. My baseball academy failing, yeah, that was terrible. But losing losing someone who meant so much to me, it, it still hurts to this day. Yeah, But I, I know that he's in a better place. I know he's at peace. He's no longer in pain. And I know that his time here, it's my responsibility to pass that on. And that's that's why I get so excited. Every morning that I wake up to Carpe Diem, seize the day, to pass along the learnings that he shared with me to others who need it. There's so many people that are in need and I, I just want to be that person that helps them. So life, life is really good. When you ask me, how am I feeling? And I said, I woke up, I really mean that. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm doing better than I deserve. That's right. That's right, Larry. This is a great place for
0: you to share your biggest piece. I, I asked you earlier about your biggest piece of encouragement for business people. Okay. Share your biggest piece of intentional encouragement for somebody listening. Maybe like my son. Maybe somebody that's just that that picks up this podcast and they go, "Man, Larry, your story is so powerful. You, you know, I, I, I love what you do and how you do it." What's your biggest piece of intentional encouragement overall for those folks?
1: Yeah, it would be to have intention with your life. I'm still trying to figure out mine. I think I've got it figured out, but I'm still trying to find my way. I want to encourage you and make sure that you know, Don't I don't care what anyone else says. Listen to me. You have greatness inside of you. And if no one else believes in you, I believe in, in you, and you've got to believe in you, that you have inner greatness. Now, does it take hard work? Yes. I can't sugarcoat that. Is there a silver bullet? No. Is there a magic pixie dust? No. But if you work hard, you write out your goals, you plan, and then you execute on that plan, like Nike said, just do it, shoot, you're going to get closer and closer to that path to get to your inner greatness. So I'm cheering you on, I'm rooting you on, put a smile on your face, it's contagious, and let's go do it.
0: Man, I love that. What a great way to end this conversation. Larry Long Jr., tell folks where they can find you and connect with you because people are going to want to connect. If you're not connected with you, what's wrong? You've got to get connected to this guy. Tell them where they connect to you.
1: Best way to find me is on LinkedIn, Larry Long Jr. I've got a smile for a mile. I do have to warn you, I'm maxed out on connections. LinkedIn, I need more than 30,000. But you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Larry Long Jr. I'm on YouTube. I do a weekly, Wednesday, midweek, midday mode. Motivational Minute every Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern time. Uh, Feel free to tune in, check in, let me know what's on your mind. I'm here to help. If I can ever help, do not hesitate to let me know.
0: Man, oh man, Larry Long Jr., this has been so good. I'm so glad. We've been working on this for a little while and it's been my fault because I've been in the weeds with other podcasts, but man, I'm so glad we made this happen today. Thank you so much for joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast.
1: The pleasure is all mine. Thank you, Brian.